0: Thank God for the gift of music and for instruments. have got to say, I love that title, Blow Ye the Flute, Blow. Sounds like it's straight out of the Psalms, does not it? Let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to New Testament, a letter written to the Colossians. We'll be in Colossians chapter 4 this morning. No doubt if we were to take a Family Feud style survey asking what are some of the most important disciplines or most important practices for Christians, prayer would be near the top of that list, and, and for good reason. Prayer is a central, central theme and activity and uh, command found throughout various portions of God's Word, from the example of Abraham to Moses and Miriam to uh, David, this prayer of repentance. We think of uh, Daniel. Getting down on his knees and turning toward Jerusalem and praying three times a day. We think of the example of Jesus himself withdrawing from the crowds early in the morning to a quiet place to pray to his Father. We think of the early church coming together with one voice, praying for boldness and proclaiming the gospel amidst great persecution. We think of Paul and his various letters where he reminds the readers of his letters of his Continual prayers on on their behalf. No doubt the call to pray is an overwhelming responsibility. It's a daunting task. We know that we are called to pray, but but when and and for what are we to pray? The scriptures say that we are to pray continually. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. And right here in Colossians chapter four we read that we are to be devoted to prayer. As we begin to open up God's Word and look at God's Word, I want us to take just a moment and pray together in, in quiet prayer uh, to approach God, to prepare our hearts uh, to hear from Him, uh, to continue in an attitude of worship. So right where you are, if, if you'll join me in quietly praying, uh, beginning by adoring God, prayers of adoration, praising Him for He is worthy. Let's praise God together. And as you have praised God, let me encourage you to now confess sin before God as we think about His greatness, reminding us of our own shortcomings. Now let's offer up thanksgiving to God, for He is a God who has provided for us abundantly, both physically and spiritually. And lastly, prayers of supplication or a petition, bringing requests to God. Father, we do praise you because you are a mighty God. You're a God who is worthy of our praise. You're a God who's worthy of our lives. You are the great I am, Lord. And we acknowledge this morning that, that you are with us. And Lord, as we think about your greatness, we're reminded of our own sin. And Father, would you forgive us where we fail you, where we do not live up to your standard. And Lord, we thank you that... Your word reminds us that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just, and you forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because of the blood of Jesus that was spilled in our place. And Father, we do come before you with requests this morning because we know that you are able, because we know that you are mighty, but we thank you that you are with us and we desire to hear from you today. We desire to be led by you in all that we do. So speak to us now, Father, through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me invite you to look with me at Colossians chapter 4. And as you find your place there in Colossians chapter 4, let me encourage you to stand as we read from from God's word. Colossians chapter 4, beginning in in verse 2. And there God's word reads this way. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful Thanks be to God for the reading of His Word. Thank you. You may be seated. Have you ever found yourself in conversation with someone and wondering how in the world you got on the topic that you were on? Somehow the conversation had shifted and gone different directions and you ended up talking about something far different from what you set out in the beginning and perhaps you began to rehearse back and forth with your conversational partner, well I said this and that led you to say this, which made me think of that birthday party that we had for uh, my seven-year-old niece and that giant slip and slide, which took my mind to the 1996 uh, Olympic Games and the water sports, making me think of professional athleticism in the 21st century. And that's, that's what got us talking about Tom Brady's uh, involvement or lack thereof in the inflation of footballs in last year's uh, NFL football season. So, we tend to do this. We we follow a, a, a way of, of thinking and talking, uh, getting sidetracked and, and following different rabbits as uh, we talk with folks back and forth. And, and to a certain extent, uh, we can certainly trace Paul's line of thinking, his line of reasoning right here in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, but unlike... Uh, We often do. His was probably much more intentional, much more methodical and thought out, certainly under the guiding of God's Holy Spirit. But in the context of this letter, we've been journeying through uh, the New Testament letter of Colossians, which we'll finish uh, next Sunday. But in the context of this letter, this section is within a larger section with specific instructions on how to live out our faith. How to participate in a lifestyle that is consistent with the gospel, with Christian living. And this begins in chapter 3, verse 5 and following. And you know, earlier in the letter, we, we saw a great emphasis on the supremacy and centrality of Jesus Christ. Contending for the true faith in the face of false teaching. And, and now, in this particular section, which this passage is the conclusion of, it's as if Paul is saying, it's not enough... To to know what you believe. It's not enough to have all the right doctrine, as important as as that is, but but your faith must be lived out in day-to-day life. And so, last week, for example, we saw that our faith in Christ must impact, ought to impact, ought to transform our everyday, ordinary relationships. And, And now, as Turns a corner here in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 we see that our faith in Christ not only impacts our household relationships our everyday relationships but it also has great bearing on our relationship with the one we claim our faith is in it must have great impact on our relationship with God and not only with God and not only with those who are close to us not even only those that are within our church family but also ought to have great impact on on outsiders as well. On unbelievers. On those who do not know and follow Jesus Christ. But if we, if we know Christ, then according to God's word, then, then we know God. For Jesus is God. Jesus is God made known. In chapter 1, verse 15 of this same letter, we read that the Son, S-O-N, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So to know Jesus is is to know God. And for those that know God, not, not just knowing about God, but those who personally know God, there's something in us that makes us want to know Him more. God has invited us to know Him. He has revealed Himself to us and desires to be known by us and has given us the incredible privilege and opportunity of of approaching Him through prayer, of talking to our Creator. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Great I Am, the Sovereign God, invites us to, to converse with Him. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to value prayer. Christ followers value prayer. Look back at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. This is similar to what Jesus told his disciples in one of his darkest hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. According to Mark chapter 14, verse 38, he told them, he said, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. A great responsibility, a great privilege, a great opportunity to approach God and to Approach Him boldly through Jesus. Lifting requests to Him. Going before Him. Talking with Him. Cultivating an intimate relationship with Him that He has made available to us through Jesus. And as we approach Him. As we value prayer. As we participate in prayer. The one that we are praying to ought to have impact on our prayers. And not only should He have impact on on what we bring to Him in prayer, but the events that are going on in the world around us ought to have great impact on, on how we pray as well. We are called to watch continually for reasons to pray. As believers who have been called to pray, who have been given the gift of prayer, we ought to be alert, we ought to be watching, we ought to be observant for reasons to pray. Reasons to approach God. The idea of being watchful. It's the idea of being alert. Being awake. Noticing what is going on. It's used elsewhere in the New Testament multiple times to imply the return of Christ. To be alert. To be al- awake. To be watchful. For, for the King is coming. Jesus has come. And, and He will come again according to, to God's Word. And So when we pray, we ought to pray with that in mind. When we pray for ourselves, we ought, to, we ought to acknowledge the one that we are praying to, that He is the King, that He is the one who rules and, and reigns, and He is the one who is coming again. When we see injustice in the world, we ought to, we ought to pray that God's justice would be made known in, in the world. Just this last week as I was preparing for this message Found myself watching one of the undercover videos that was released regarding Planned Parenthood's recent activities and sat in absolute shock over the numbness, the casual conversation regarding such evil practices. It could not help but to stop and to pause and to pray to the author of life, seeking. His direction, seeking that He would give us, as a people, a change of heart to abolish the practice, to outlaw the legal practice of abortion in, in this nation. Folks, as a church, we, when we recognize and witness folks not declaring allegiance to the one true King, then, then we ought to pray that God would change their hearts, that He would change our hearts, that He would open our eyes to who He is. I think that's what it means to watch continually for reasons to pray. And as we do, aware of who it is that we are praying to, then then we can't help but to be thankful for His provision for us. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Watch continually for reasons to pray. Secondly, we are called to, to enter into conversation with God. We are called to talk with God. So let's talk to God. God loves us. One who fashioned the world out of nothing. The one who created each of us in His image. Loves us and desires to hear from us. Let's talk to Him. So I thought about this passage and the idea of prayer. I thought about one of the first sermons. I think the first sermon that I preached is I recently graduated high school and had the opportunity to To share with my peers and my youth group on a Wednesday evening in my home church. and remember finding myself scared to death, and the passage that I had selected to speak from that evening was from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and following. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And so I'm wondering, what in the world does this mean? What does it mean to pray continually? Do we sort of shun everything else and sit quietly and, and talk to God, and I thought I'd come up with the, the perfect illustration for for that point, and it was the precursor to texting. Texting wasn't around or popular then, but it was instant messenger, and specifically where, where I was at the time, it was something called ICQ instant messenger, and uh, computer programming, instant messaging system where you'd get on your computer and you could talk instantly back and forth with your friends. And I remember thinking that prayer, continual prayer with God is sort of like instant messaging. That you are in this ongoing, continuous conversation even though you're doing other things at the same time. Now, don't carry that analogy too far. It's certainly breaks down as any analogy does, but as followers of Jesus, we ought to be in an ongoing conversation with, with God. We have to be constantly aware of, of Him with an attitude of recognition of His presence and, and worship of Him, continually adoring Him and confessing sin before Him and offering thanksgiving to Him and lifting up requests before Him. And even so, there ought to be specific times in, in our lives that we set aside for devoted prayer. One of the great privileges that we have and great ministries that we have here at Meadowbrook is a prayer room ministry, where if you fill out a, a prayer concern, if you share a prayer request with the church, there are... People in this church, prayer warriors in this church, who will pray over those requests and do so on an ongoing basis, knowing that they are praying to a God who who hears them and a God who is able, a God who heals, a God who who loves us. If you're not familiar with with that ministry, if you never visited our prayer room, then I, let me encourage you. Stop by the table in the foyer after the service today and hear about that ministry, an incredible ministry for those that are participating in such a ministry as well as those who are being prayed for. As a church, we are called to value prayer. We must value prayer. Christ followers value prayer. And we see here in Colossians chapter 4 that Christ followers offer specific prayers for the spread of the gospel. Christ followers value prayer and Christ followers offer specific prayers for the spread of the gospel. Look back at Colossians chapter, chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And then Paul writes, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. So follow this line of thinking here. He's thinking about what it means to live out of faith in Christ. Well, certainly it's a call to prayer. It's a call to a Christian conversation, an ongoing, continual conversation with God. And as Paul thinks about prayer, he's reminded to ask his readers, his Christian audience, to enter into prayer on his behalf, to pray for him and the advancement of the gospel through him. This is the first place we see in this letter that, that Paul is writing this letter as a prisoner tells us that he's in chains. He says, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I showed the gospel, this gospel for which I am in chains. It's like, likely the imprisonment alluded to at the end of the book of Acts, Paul under house arrest in Rome for his courage in proclaiming the message of Christ. And his request here is fascinating, is it not? Doesn't pray for safety? doesn't ask for prayers for safety. doesn't ask for prayers for deliverance. His prayer is that he would have an open door to share this message with others. An open door for he and Timothy and, and others who are committed to making faithful followers of Jesus Christ. I think about my own prayer life and how often my prayers are about me. They're all about my own comforts and perhaps healing. The hurts of those but I know, and certainly those are important prayers. But, but how often are we praying for an open door to share the gospel, an open door to declare the mystery of Christ? Our prayers for the spread of the gospel. Not to pray for those, ought to be praying for those that are sharing the gospel. And one way that we can do that is that we, as believers in Christ, pause to pray for for missionaries. Pause to to pray for missionaries. Pray for those that are devoted to spreading the gospel, the the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And to a certain extent, all of us are missionaries. To to follow Christ is, is a call to be a disciple of Christ. It's a call to make other disciples, other followers of Christ. We're all called to advancing the message of the gospel but at the same time there are others who have responded to a call to go into a specific context for the sake of sharing and showing the love of Christ we think of folks like Jordan and Hannah Self out of this church congregation folks like Brad Baker and others, some of our own college students that gave up this summer various mission teams throughout the year that specifically going into other contexts for the purpose of sharing and showing the love of Christ. And as they do, we ought to be lifting them up, praying that they would have an open door to, to share the mystery of Christ. And we ought to be praying for, for this church as well, that we would be a beacon of gospel truth in this community. We ought to be praying for other Christians in surrounding areas. We ought to be praying for believers that, Oak Mountain Presbyterian and Asbury United Methodist and Church at Brook Hills and Valleydale and Double Oak and Liberty. We've got to be praying for area churches and area Christians that we would be faithful witnesses to to the message that we have received. We ought to pray for missionaries and not only should we pause to pray for missionaries but we as believers ought to pause to pray for the nations. Pause to pray for, for the nations for the Bible is... It's clear that God is a God of the nations. Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, God said, My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, from the east to the west, and every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. We're familiar with the commission Jesus gave to his followers as he prepared to ascend back to the right hand of His Father, telling them that they would be His witnesses. Witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We read in Revelation chapter 7, where this king, King Jesus... On his throne. And he's surrounded by a great multitude of people. From every nation, people, tribe and language. Declaring praises to him. Exalting him. For God is not simply the God of Birmingham, Alabama. Or the Bible Belt. He's not just the God of America. But he is the God of the nations. And if we are to be faithful followers of Christ. Then we must value prayer for the spread of the gospel. Leading us to be praying for the nations. One of the great tools to pray toward that end It's come out this year. It's a book called Pray for the World. Pray for the World. If you're familiar with Operation World, this is a resource that has come out from Operation World. And what this is, is this, this has a snippet of information on the nations of the world as they're known today. The name of a nation, its population... It's estimated number of christians estimated number of evangelical christians and what a great resource for us if we are to be praying for the god of the nations for the spread of the gospel among the nations to participate in something like this and there will be one of these in our prayer room ministry going forward and we also have a handful of copies of these on the prayer table in the foyer if, if that's something you would be interested in if you could say hey i I would love to have a copy of that and to pray for the nations. Then then you take one of these today. Take one of these and use it to pray that the gospel of Christ would, would spread around the world. We've seen that Christ followers value prayer. Christ followers pray for the spread of the gospel. And in the final two verses, verses five and six, we see that Christ followers are to seek opportunities to speak the truth in love. Christ followers seek opportunities to speak the truth and love. Look back at verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Looking back now, we we can see the logic of how these few verses have developed. Paul gives a a call for Christians to be people of prayer, leading him to invite them to pray for him, that he would be faithful in spreading the gospel, that he would have open doors to speak the truth about Christ, reminding him then, this is what we're all called to do as followers of Jesus. This is what the church is called to do. We are called to seek out opportunities to speak the message of Christ and to do so in love. Much of this letter, as we've seen, has been an emphasis on right teaching Combating false teaching. Reshining the spotlight of our faith on on Jesus Christ. But, but it's as if Paul is saying here that, that even so, we have no, no excuse for solitude. We have no excuse to withdraw totally from the world. We are called to engage the world with the message of, of the gospel. We are called to be salt and light. And for us to do that as the church, we must be talking about Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus. When was the last time that you talked about Jesus outside of of the church? Or perhaps outside of of your home? There's an urgency that is communicated here in verse 5. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. In other words, don't mess up your opportunity to to talk with unbelievers. Make the most of, of every opportunity. There's an urgency about this message because we live in the already, not yet. Jesus has already come once and He is coming again and when He comes again, He will gather His people to Himself and if you don't know Christ, it will be too late at that point. Because we have been entrusted with the message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ, we as people must be urgency, urgently spreading this message among the lost, And we see here that it's not only important that we share the message. The content of what we say is, is important, but it is not the only thing that's important. It's also important that we say it in a way that reflects who God is. The tone of our message as well. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Be gracious in the way that we share the message and how we present the message is to to understand who it is that we're talking about and what He has done for us. And the good news for us as believers is that we don't go about this alone. There is one who goes with us, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, who guides us as we share the message of Christ. So let's allow Him to guide our speech. Allow the Spirit, God's Spirit, to guide your speech as you engage with the lost. And church, this is where our conversations must differ from political conversations. This is where we must be different from the political landscape, and the political debating world. Because no news station, CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC, none of these news stations represent Christianity. None of them represent Christ. That's not an attack on the news station, but that's another calling. We are to represent Christ as as the people of God in this world. And so our speech as we engage with the world must look different from political liberalism, and it look, must look different from political conservatism because we have an eternal hope in and through Jesus Christ that this world does not have to offer anywhere else. So we must point people to the grace of the almighty, gracious God in heaven. Let's represent Christ and, and let's represent him well in all that we say and and do. We are called to value prayer. We're called to pray for the spread of the gospel and we are called to seek opportunities to speak the truth of the gospel in, love. in other words, our conversations are to be Christian conversations, conversations with God that then overflow into our conversations for and with the lost. Conversations with God ought to lead to conversations for and with the lost. First, that's what, that's what we're called to participate in as we enter into. A personal relationship with God an ongoing conversation with God through prayer and through hearing from Him through His Word that invites us, compels us, leads us to lift up prayers on behalf of the lost in this world and to engage in conversations with the lost for the glory of God. Are you enjoying the privilege of, of prayer? And what a privilege it is. And are you and I engaging the lost with the message of the Gospel? Father, we thank You for For the message of truth. We thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you that the joy that you provide and offer us in and through Jesus. Father, we thank you that you love us. And that though you are far above us. Though you are the eternal matchless king. You care for us and desire to be known by us. And to know us and to walk with us. Father, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be people who cultivate an ongoing prayer life with you, knowing that, that you know our needs, that you're worthy of our praise. Lord, that you are near to us and you desire to help us and to hear from us. Father, we thank you for the joy of knowing you and walking with you. And Father, I pray that as we Draw near to you that you would give us a heart for the spread of your truth among all people. And help us to be faithful as we seek to make other disciples of Jesus Christ for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen.